John Snyder for The Walk. We're very happy to have as our guest today, Dr. Judith Bryles, highly successful author of 37 books, book publishing expert, and has the reputation of being the book shepherd, guiding 1,000 other authors to publication and creating 500 bestsellers. Dr. Bryles is here today to talk about her book, When God Says No, revealing the yes when adversity and loss are present. She's here to tell us about her amazing and unique life and her victory over seemingly endless struggle. Spirituality for me was always really dormant for a long time. I grew up in a home that it just didn't exist. And it wasn't until I I found what I called my first heart family. I've had two heart families. Um, I grew up in a home where the girl was the unwanted member. Um, everything was on my father, my, my brothers, well, my father and my brothers, but it was a male dominated home for sure. And that was when I found the Wilkinson family that I started going to church and I eventually had myself baptized. Um, no one knew it from my birth family, but certainly my heart family did know. And that's, that's where that journey started. Eventually, it became dormant when we moved away and we separated and that I didn't have them in my influence anymore or my wheels to say. So after that, that eventually I just kind of fell into it. I found it again. Um, and I, I, you know, there it was just a very quiet, quiet period. I've always felt that spirit there. I always felt that God was with me but that there wasn't any outcry, there wasn't any regularity mm -hmm. of what a congregation or a community could bring. And, and then that rebirthing really came when my son died. Um, and that, you know, we getting reinvolved in a, a church community. And, and actually, when you came into my life, John, um, that, as you know, that we went through a huge amount of turmoil mm -hmm. um, in that congregation that I thought I didn't think I wanted to step in another church again, actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally. Uh, the and, and, and how strange it is, I went on to get a doctorate in conflict resolution. Um, and that it really, you know, that you brought such a sense of calm back to it that it was, you know, hope. And I, and I think that all the work I've done with people over the years and the so speaking that I have done globally, hope is the one word that brings it together, hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I felt that there was hope again that, well, maybe I won't throw everything out with a bathtub and everything and and come back in. So that's where it came along. And then when the... Uh, you know, I, I did some writing in the Christian community, and the heart book that eventually came out from that uh, was my book, When God Says No, which the title is yours. That came from a sermon that you gave that made such an impression on me and impacted me that it just kind of carried me and let me float for a while. So that was that's a thank you. Well, okay. Thank you. Um... Uh, let me just focus on the, since you've mentioned the book, God, God Says No, 
let's focus on that first. I'll go back later and ask you some questions about uh, publishing and being a book shepherd and so forth. Um, sure. Regarding when God, God says no, um, tell us something about the interplay you you use in that book between the no and the yes. I, I think that um, so many of us think that when they pray or they ask or they reach out, that a yes should come. And the reality is that doesn't. Uh, that sometimes it's a blatant no. Sometimes it's, well, not not now. Maybe, maybe later. Um, and sometimes it comes in roaring as a yes. Uh, for the book, When God Says No, opens on the death of my 19-year-old. I later reveal that I also had a baby die and some of the other things that I've gone through. Um, and that it really does the, that difference between no and yes and maybe and later and all that is I think one of the things that God teaches us is the power of patience, the power of patience and um, not being so greedy and not being demanding that that sometimes you're not ready for the yes to come in. That's what I've learned. Right. You're not ready for it. And when it comes, you will feel it. You will sense it. You will experience it. You will be willing to say it. But it's not something that is just going to be like the train rolling down the track at times. And I think that's what most people's expectations are. And then they get huge disappointments when the answer isn't there immediately. Huge. Uh, why did he let that happen to yeah. me? Um, and, and sometimes I think that we forget. I remember one time, I think I shared it with you, an experience. And it was going through the church conflict. And uh, driving home from the airport, and and um, I was just, it was just, my head was just reeling with all this stuff going on, and I just felt the most, the most um, caring hands come around me and said, "You need to be there. You just have to stay there and get through it." And that's, you know, that you know, I kept hearing no because I wanted to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> And um, and just hanging in there. And you were the yes that came through the door. Hmm. And I never would have had that experience if I just did the, the, the you know, the fright and flight routine that so many of us want to do when bad stuff comes our way. Well, I'm, I'm glad always to be a yes, somebody's life. I was thinking about the whole yes, no business, too. Um, in fact, last Sunday, we were talking about it. Uh, if God said yes to every single prayer. When, when we when we prayed it, uh, that would mean that he had no plan. Uh, he's just there as a genie in the bottle to do what we wanted. Uh, or if he said no to every single prayer, that could mean that he had a plan, but that we didn't play much of a role in it, our, our dreams and mm -hmm. our problems. And so he says yes and no, depending upon how our our role, our plan fits into his overall plan and whether something's good for us or not. Maybe it's not uh, it's not good for us now. Maybe good later. Maybe it's never good for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's kind of how I I deal with the yes no no issue. But you do you play very well uh, in your book uh, the, the no and the yes it goes all the way through the book. And I think um, I think you've really hit on something that will be very helpful to people going through uh, struggles. And you've been through plenty of struggles. Uh, in fact, when I read Second Corinthians six or eleven, you know where Paul has this long catalog of 
of troubles and, and problems yes. and uh, yes. crises. Uh, it reminds me of you, actually. Um, so, <laughs> oh, and, that, and all that was just a, a midterm report for Paul. You know, we, we don't have part two. He didn't, he didn't uh, write that part two. But um, you've been through so many things that I am, I am astonished that one person can hold so much trouble and grief in one life. And you've come out of it uh, so well with an understanding of a God's of God's patience, of God's love, and of God's severity as well. You, you know that's true. I I think that when I wrote the, the, this book, you know, this is what the the third version. And what I did is I threw out three quarters, eighty percent of the first book, and I sat down and in six days I redid the whole thing. Wow. And um, when my designer, the book designer laid it out. She says she actually, and, and, and for all of our listeners who are interested in publishing, rarely does a designer ever read anything. They just want to design a beautiful looking book. They don't read. And she said, I re she read the whole thing and she wrote to me, she says, are you sure you want to reveal all this? And I said, <laughs> you know, at this point in my life, I'm over 70. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it does work that way, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And, and the thing is, you do learn that way. I mean, if, oh, my gosh, if I could rewrite the story, um, would I want to go through the things that I've gone through? Heck no, a lot yeah. of them. Heck no. Yeah, but, but when I look who I am today, John, the person I'm in today is not from the successes I've had, and I've had a lot. They're from the horrible failures I've gone through. They're from the the mishaps and the obstacles and the barriers and the humongous potholes that I've had to learn how to climb out. That's who I am. And I think that when you talk to other people who have who are deemed as successful, they haven't had an easy life. Right. It's it's not handed to them. Yeah, that's right. uh, and it's it's you know it's but but I, I've learned through life if you are open to whether you want to say opportunity or to whatever, if you are open, these, your windows will fly open, the doors will fly open, and the people will come into your life. Things will come into your life. You will be able to understand them. And I think that one of the beauties of getting older is that we recognize that we, you know, we just can't acquire all the tools we need. Um, in the beginning, they are picked up as we go through these these occurrences that turn us into better people, more observant people. We have our wisdom uh, come through and that we're really able to help others. No saint ever had an easy life, right? No. If you look no. at the Christian biography, uh, the the tougher life got, uh, the more saintly they were at the end. So that's that's just the way God uses suffering and trouble. Uh, that's one of the principal means of bringing about Christ image in us. So, unfortunately, I mean, who wants this stuff, right? Uh, I don't look forward to Nobody. that either. But oh, no. uh, I'd like to get more spiritual on a hammock in the sun. You know, that doesn't doesn't work so well. Oh, I'd uh, I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me talk. Uh, I'm glad that you include so much in the when God says no, because people will um, discover all the things you've been through which will astonish them and how you got through it and how the role God played in it. So uh, it's, it's going to be a reward for those who pick up this book. Uh, let, let me move a little bit to the, uh, the book side of things. 
I want to tell people that you've uh, written 37 books of your own. I I have. I've just come up with my fourth title like 10 minutes ago. Oh. It's called, you know, I teach authors how to market. Yeah. Um, their books now. You know, I've had, you know, I've, all our different careers. We have my variation where I used to do, well, I was always a mom, but the finance, and then I did, you know, <laughs> conflict resolution and healthcare. And, and, and then I evolved into publishing. And, you know, and that came from an accident. I've always helped people with books and stuff because I've loved doing that. Mm-hmm. But I had a goofy accident that I share. Um, in When God Says No, that I was, you know, speaking to 5,000 dentists in Vancouver and BC, British Columbia, and we're all done. And John and I, John being my husband, uh, we're going to stay up in Vancouver because I'd always wanted to have high tea at the (laughs) Victoria. And I wanted to see the Busher Gardens. And so I'm walking along and we've got our appointments and all of a sudden I am flat on my back. And I had stepped in a gob of vanilla ice cream or yogurt. We never knew. Um, ended up with a brain injury. Wow. I lost. I lost my ability to do any math. I still can't do math. Hmm. I used to be. I used to be a whiz. Well, you know what? God decided I didn't need to do math anymore. <laughs> but. But the yeah. gift that came to me, the door that opened, was when I'm talking to an author. Um, I can see what their book looks like. I, I, the vision just, you know, like the sixth sense, I see dead people, I see books and, and, uh, it's, it's just that, that gift it's, it's, it's a yes. Hmm. No, you can't do what you used to do. You can't do the finances. And I had to figure out how I could work. So people started coming to me. I didn't have to travel. I didn't, I couldn't travel the way I used to travel. I was in 13 states a month in the United States. Couldn't do that anymore. So that was the yes that came through the door that I didn't even know was going to be a yes. And I love what I do. So uh, one of the things that most authors fail miserably at is marketing. I actually teach a two-day intensive workshop. I write about book marketing all the time. Um, And I just, I was just thinking, you know, I need a really stellar workbook that's that's where my thinking was this morning at four o'clock in the morning um, i need to do a workbook so we're good it's the the title working title right now is it scores well um and i if you want to tell me how you figure out the scoring i can do that one but book marketing pop and pizzazz oh. is the title and then it's going to be the author's ultimate blueprint for launches, social media strategies, and ongoing sales oh, success. When, when are we going to see that come out? Well, I'm. I. It could be at the end of the year. It depends upon how it is. Right now, as you talk to me, I have my leg up. I had one of those little fluky things, and I had uh, a really busted up ankle, and oh. so I've had surgery this week. Gee. So I, I'm now. You can call me Peg. <laughs> 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 So one more thing you've added to your catalog. Oh, uh, well, this one I did not want. And I, I can't blame anyone. I, you know, I had flip-flops on that I should have tossed away, but I wear mm-hmm. things until they fall apart, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but book marketing is really essential for publishing. And and one of the things I've had more authors say to me, well, when do I have to stop? Well, when you don't want to sell books anymore. It's that simple. But when you start is the day you start writing. Well, let's move into that a little bit more. Um, 
They've shepherded a thousand authors, 500 mm-hmm. of which became bestsellers, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you obviously know what you're doing. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing that next book come out. Uh, let me give two <laughs> questions along those lines. What is, um, what's the state of the industry now? Are you pushing for publishers and agents or are you self-publishing or what, where do you come down on that? Um, I'm going to take a different word. I'm going to say independent publishing. Uh, if you had talked to me 20 years ago, I would have been totally on the camp of publishers and agents because, and I would tell you, I was a self-professed, uh, New York publishing snob and that uh, it was the only way, only legitimate authors Mm -hmm. publish this way. And that really was true because the other option was the vanity presses. And they didn't look so hot. Uh, the, the outcome wasn't hot. The product was mediocre. There was no marketing, no support. And they gouged you. I mean, they were really like multi-level sales machines. And they always, you know, pushed you up and up and up and up and up. And and the poor naive author. So, you know, that's when I get in and, you know, I get in my warrior things for protection because I go after them. Mm-hmm. And I and I will name them, and I'm very blatant about it. But the uh, uh, the, the crossover came in the year 2000 when I had a client who I was speaking in uh, Seattle for, who asked me if I had just you know if I could ask my publisher to see if they could get some books. They wanted a few a few books. Now, when someone says a few, I don't think that's a big number. And the book they wanted was actually one that I think I had published with Moody's, Moody Press. Oh, yeah. And it was my kid's book on money management and that I had just taken the rights back and I bought back all the remaining stock, which numbered 60. So when they said they wanted a few, I always think few is less than 60. A few is maybe (laughs) five, maybe 10. Okay. So I said, you know what? I bet I can. And that how, you know, how about if I can get you, you know, a 30% discount or so? They said, that would be so great. Would you ask them? And I said, sure. So how many do you want? And then I about fell off my chair because they wanted a thousand. That is not a few. <laughs> so, so I, I had a quick chat with a plant in my corner and, and I, then I said, yes, we can do that. Now I had wanted to rewrite the book. Anytime you write about money, it gets dated. And I wanted to do a rewrite, update, and all of a sudden I am propelled into the publishing business. I mean, I'd always got paid well. I was a well-taken-care-of author from the Main Street New York houses. I was with Simon & Schuster and that that lot. I decided, okay, so I'm I'm working in and I'm showing the third, so the book sells for $20 or something like that. So a third off, what is that? So I was able to negotiate enough for 2000 books. Hmm. And now, now I had to go out and find a book designer gulp and I had to find a cover designer and I could do the rewrites and get that. And I could find an editor, but I had to now all of a sudden start learning the business of publishing, which I never had. So that was, that's what's what propelled me into that. And once I did that and I realized that I, they wanted a thousand, they came back for another 500, but they wanted a thousand books and I negotiated for 2000. So technically I'm now sitting with stock worth $20,000 that I didn't have to pay for. So that's where my, you know, now, now my money background is in the play and (laughs) 
and I am figuring out the nuts and bolts of this thing. And I'm out speaking and people are buying them directly from me and I don't have to worry about the bookstore area that that there was just so much more to it. And that's really how that train got started. And I've never looked back. But we're really talking about independent publishing, not self-publishing, which certainly has the, the independent self-publishers are now outselling the traditional publishers. That's what I thought. And people need to know that. Yeah. They're outselling it. But they're doing it because the authors are getting marketing moxie. And that's really what's essential and what's important to understand and do and do the implementation. And there are strategies to it. The social media has become the town hall. Uh, Book selling has changed dramatically right now. When an author comes to me, I will always support them. I said, oh, yes, I really want to publish with New York. I will I will support you. I'll show you how to do the book proposal. Uh, we'll do all that, but you need I, – I want you and for all our listeners that if this is the way you want to go, if you want to be picked up by a New York publisher or, or uh, wherever you are in the world, that uh, you have to have – that's your plan A, but you better have plan B. And you better do plan B and flow it because you need to have a timeline and realize this. Only 2% of all books proposed to major publishers are picked up. Only 2%. What is your advice um, to aspiring writers? Right. Right. You start writing. Just start writing. Get it out of your head mm -hmm. and start writing. And either if you have to start with the yellow pad, I tried to get you. Uh, I, I think it's good to write, write with your hands, because I believe that there is a connection with your head, your heart and your hands. There is. And, and, and things things will flow that way. But then you need to transition. So um, I actually teach, teach a class on how to write a book in four weeks to get the draft out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that that you, you start you start doing your processing because that if you go down the research channel, you will research something to death and you'll never get it done. Yeah. It's kind of like John, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, three to get ready, three to <laughs> get ready, and they don't go. So it's a matter, I, I like some stuff the old-fashioned way. Uh, where I have a, you know, one of those extendable uh, files, like a 30-day file, mm -hmm. that I will just, that's, it's an ideal file, right, that. So if it's a topic, so if I'm thinking like right now I'm doing the book marketing, that I will do that. I've been teaching book marketing for a long time, so I've got a lot of material. I've done lots of blogs on it. Um, I have a, a course with a 120-page uh, workbook that we go through. You know, where I have it very spilled out. So I'm going to certainly be yanking from that. Okay. But that I break it up and I start dropping it in and I do those things and 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 move it along. And then I'm looking for stories. And one of the things, whether you if you're a fiction author, you're a storyteller. But guess what? You nonfiction authors, you need to be storytellers, too, because people connect emotionally and emotional is really important through the stories. Yeah, it's, a huge it, point. It, it's a huge point. And there's, uh, and I'm going to give you a couple of very hot book titles for our, for our writers to get a hold of. You need to know when you start this writing, who are you writing for? So if you put down your laptop the, and, and right across from you is your ideal reader, your book buyer, who is that? 
Is it a male or female? How old are they? What are their habits? What are their naughty habits? What are their secrets? What where what movies do they like to watch? What TV shows? What do they like to eat? How many kiddos do they have? Do they smoke? Do they drink? You, I mean, you put it together so you can have a conversation with you because guess what? When you get stuck, you can just have a chat with your your reader, mm. and and it helps get you back on track. I've learned that trick. Uh, the the other thing is that so the who is huge. The who. Uh, and then this is the what. What is their pain? What is their concern? For the fiction author, they're looking to escape. That's their problem. That's their pain. I just give me a wonderful story that I can escape from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the nonfiction person, and John, you're a nonfiction author, but you use storytelling in your books, that you have to come along and and deliver it. That here's here's the problem, here's the causation, here's the effect, and by golly, I'm going to give you an escape so you can get some solutions here. So that's the way I think um, when I'm starting to process this. So for for if I'm going to go back to the book marketing pop and possess book I'm going to be working on, what's the problem? They don't want to market. Get it? I get it. I get it. So what's the effect? You're not going to sell any books. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's the cause? Well, I'm busy, you know, or I don't have the money or I don't have fill in, you know, what's the cause? And and so what's their solution? Okay, so I'm going to give you some tips and tricks and tools and strategies that will move you along so I, you can have some fun in this process. I promised to give a name of a book. So I was going to tell our people for publishing. Uh, a couple of books to discover because it will help everybody's writing, whether you're fiction or nonfiction, but especially for fiction. The author, it's a co-author, Angela Ackerman and Becca Pogulsi, they have written a, a series of tethoruses, The Emotional Tethoris, A Writer's Guide to Character's Expression, The Emotional Wound Tethoris, The Writer's Guide to Psychological Trauma. Um, the the positive trait thesaurus, the writer's guide to character attributes, that they have done magical work that will soar your writing uh, adjective use, let's mm. just say, mm-hmm. to levels you never thought possible. So that's a gift for all of you. That's one of those yeses you didn't expect to come through. And, and there's seven of them. But I would just highly recommend them. Seven of them. Uh, the okay. the magic A Amazon has them all. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're just they're just really exit. You know, even there's one on how to write negative traits. Instead of saying he's bad, you can really really get into it. I did a podcast with him, John, and uh, uh, somehow we started talking about the Tom Cruise. Jack uh, Nicholas movie, uh, A Few Good Men, that was, and all of a sudden, and we dissected the whole movie on the air. It was amazing what we did. But that's that, those spontaneous things that I love. So what I want to say to all of, all of you is that when, when rough things happen, when you go through bad times, they don't last forever. They don't last forever. It feels like it. It feels so awful that you can never come out, but you will come out. And that if, if you'll be open to it, God will give you the tools to carry you through and take you to another level you never thought you could go to. But you have to be open.
been listening to Dr. Judith Bryles, entrepreneur and book publishing expert, widely known as the Book Shepherd. We've heard only a few vignettes from her roller coaster ride through life, but the full story can be read in her book, When God Says No. It's been a great pleasure to talk to Judith Bryles, and we hope that you'll tune in again to meet other highly interesting and influential national leaders. This is John Snyder for The Walk. So long for now. <laughs>